sons and daughters of the Most High God. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you set your time so that you can be here on time. All right. In about 35 minutes, there'll be another 10 people roll in that didn't set their clock ahead. So we'll all turn around and applaud, right? I want to talk to you this morning about subduing the chaos in your life. Anybody got chaos in their life right now? Three people, okay. The rest of you are awesome. That's great. Uh, there's chaos in the world. If you turn on the news, well, at any point in the last 10 years, 20 years, whatever, you can see chaos everywhere, right? <clears throat> and it, um, I don't know if it's just because we get more information, but it seems like chaos in, has increased over the last several years. It just may be that we're getting information more quickly. You know, 100 years ago, if something happened in Europe, it would take a week or two before we knew about it over here. Today, if something happens in Antarctica, you can know it in like 2.3 seconds, right? Somebody will Instagram, hey, it's cold down here, you know, or there's a penguin. I mean, it's amazing. But it seems like chaos um, seems to get to us more quickly than the good news. Well, there are things we can do now. None of us in this room can stop a war or a potential war in, in any country around us. None of us have that position. We're not uh, the president of a country or, or a general. We, we, we don't have any charge of that. We can't, we can't deal with that. Then none of us can really impact the economic <clears throat> conditions of our country uh, because we're not secretary of treasury or the chairman of the Fed or whatever. So what can we do? Well, there are things that we can do in our own lives, in our own settings, in our own homes, the place where we work, uh, the, the places we frequent if we're going to the park or going back to school tomorrow. There, there are things we can do to subdue some of the chaos in our lives and not just throw up our hands and say, there's nothing I can do. There's always something that we can do when chaos is in our life. And so I want to talk about that this week and maybe the next couple of weeks. I want to talk about subduing the chaos in your life. And, and the one verse I want to use as a springboard uh, for this is, it's found in John, so if you want to uh, take your Bible out and find John chapter 14, John 14, 27, probably a verse some of you have memorized. <clears throat> John 14, verse 27. Uh, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is some of the last instructions that uh, he was giving them before he was going to go back to be with his father in heaven. And so these are really important words. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace, I give you peace. And so it's the peace of Christ in us that helps us subdue, subdue the chaos around us. The peace of Christ in us helps us subdue the chaos around us. Now, some of us have chaos in our minds, and I don't mean that in a negative way or a funny way. I mean in a serious way. Some of us have chaos in our minds. Something happened to us in the past, and maybe we just haven't fully dealt with it in the present, and it, it, it bothers us. It creates a problem for us. 
And if you grew up in a great home life, that's amazing. Praise God for that. But if you grew up in a home life where it wasn't, it wasn't good and it was chaos all the time, then your brain may, may have switched over to that mode of thinking. Some of us actually have chaos in life because of the persons that we're living with <laughs> or because of the neighbors next door, right? Or because of the person in the next cubicle, right? So, so chaos can come in many ways. It can be in our head, and we need to work on that. It can be in, in our environment, in our own home, and it can be the places. It can be the places where we work. But Jesus says, "Look, it's my peace that I'm giving you to subdue the chaos around you." And so we use His peace to subdue chaos. So there are three things I want to talk about this morning. Three. Three things that I think are chaos, and then what is the solution to each one of those? And the three are, are simply greed, apathy, and gossip. Greed, apathy, and gossip. Now, I could list a dozen more things, and over the next couple of weeks I will. But this morning I want to deal with those three things. I think greed, apathy, and gossip create chaos where there doesn't need to be chaos. And so we're going to talk about those. So the first one is, um, is greed. 1 Timothy 6.10, it tells us that the love of money leads to all kind of evil. Not money itself. The money that you have in your wallet or your purse or in your phone or wherever you have your money located now. uh, It's it's amoral. It doesn't have morals. It doesn't have values. It's it's a piece of paper or a piece of metal. It, It doesn't have a mind. It can't think on its own. And so it's just... It's just like a chair or a coat or a cup of coffee, right? It's just there. But the love of that can create chaos in our lives. As a matter of fact, the love of anything other than a human being and God can create chaos in, chaos in your life. If you love a car to death, I just got to have that car, got to have that car, and then you, you go into tremendous debt over buying that car, the love of that car has called chaos, caused chaos in your life. So greed... The love of money, the love of things and possessions can create chaos in a life. And there are a lot of people right now in chaos. There are a lot of people who are in tremendous debt that will take them years to get out from under. And that debt is creating chaos in your life. It'll, it'll create problems in the marriage. <clears throat> it'll create problems at work. It creates problems in friendships. And so greed is one of those things that, uh, particularly the love of money, that can lead to all kinds of evil. Proverbs 15, 27 says, a greedy man brings trouble to his family. A greedy man brings trouble to his family. So, once again, same principle. Somebody's always after money, after money, and they have a love for money. Uh, it's going to cause problems in the family. Now, there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. This is not about having a lot of money. I wish and pray for all of you that you would prosper and become millionaires this week. I really do. You'd all have to buy a lottery ticket to make that happen in one week, right? And, and when, you have to buy the right one, right? I would wish all of you to be millionaires, right? So it's not, it's not money that's the problem. It's not being rich that's the problem. It's the greed for it and the destruction it can cause families. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money uh, never has enough money. Have you ever known anybody like that? Yeah. Read about them in the news. They they got ten million and they want ten million more, so they steal ten million more. And then they got a billion, but they need a billion more. You know what do you do with the billion dollars? 
<laughs> anything you want. <laughs> okay, so I wish that you would get a billion dollars this week. How about that? Anything you want. That's exactly right. They were, <clears throat> somebody interviewed a billionaire a few weeks ago on TV, and they just thought they would ask him the general prices on groceries or things that normal people would buy. He couldn't tell you the price of, of groceries. He couldn't tell you that a loaf of bread, you know, cost this or a gallon of milk cost that. He had no idea because he hadn't bought that himself in years. Right? Yeah. It says in Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, when someone loves wealth, he's never satisfied with his income. When love, one loves wealth, he's never satisfied with his income. Now, that's not to say you can't ask for a raise. I'm not saying that. What the scripture's saying is, if that's what's driving you, then there's a problem. Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, whether it's immorality or lust or evil desire, or greed, which is idolatry. Greed is idolatry. You start to worship that. And, and we're told not to have any other God before us. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Be on your guard. Against all kinds of greed. You have to be on your guard. All kinds of greed. And Ecclesiastes 5.13 says. I've seen a grievous evil in, uh, under the sun. And that is wealth that is hoarded. To the harm of its owner. Wealth that is hoarded. So if you hoard your wealth. In other words you're never giving any money away. To help anybody. If you hoard your possessions. Uh, according to Ecclesiastes. It can bring great harm to you. Okay. And so there's a principle here that, that as we give, as we give, it helps us, it helps others. So what's the solution to solving some of the chaos in your life that's brought on by greed, your greed or someone else's greed? And the obvious answer is to be generous. So the solution to greed, the way to subdue greed in and around your life is to be generous. So let's see what the scripture says. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty five. it says a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A generous man prospers. So if you've got chaos in your life and it's centered around greed, be generous. Be generous. And so you can be generous with money. Obviously, that's the easy thing to figure out. But you can be generous with your time. So if there's some chaos in the workplace and and you've got a little more time to put in your job and someone else can't complete their job and you can step in and help them, then be generous. And when you are generous with your time and helping someone accomplish their task, that subdues some of the chaos in the workplace. See how that works? And that would be true in a marriage. It's a lot of work to do. You've got to clean the house. Somebody's got to dust. You know, somebody's got to vacuum. Somebody's got to do the toilets. Somebody's got to wash the dishes. Somebody's got to push the button on the dishwasher, right? <laughs> Turn the knob. Stuff has got to be done. And so if you've got a little more time to, to help out, then husband or wife, step in. Step in so I can do this. That subdues some of the chaos in your household when everybody jumps in. Teach your children how to do these things. You know, my little three-year-old grandson uh, spent, spent a couple of days with us uh, this week. And... He loves helping around the house at three. He loves pushing the button on the dishwasher. 
just pushes it too soon. But we're working on that, right? But when it comes time to pick up toys, he'll jump right in and pick up toys. Uh, when it comes time to put the dishes away, he wants to help. He's three, and he wants to help. Well, he's subduing some of the chaos in the house by helping. So, children, children, you're laughing, right? <laughs> help out around the house a little bit, okay? It's, ask mom and dad, what can I do to help out? Yeah. It's amazing. What else does the Bible say? It says in Proverbs 22, 9, it says, A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. And so there's chaos outside of your house, too. And when you find chaos outside of your house, being generous is one way to help solve someone else's chaos in their life. So the guy standing on the corner selling you newspapers for a dollar. I don't know if you understand the story behind that, but it's, it's, a great, it's a great ministry. But every dollar they make, they have to buy those papers themselves. And every dollar they make goes into paying for the paper. But what they have left over allows them to stay in the, in the halfway house. That's not the best word for it, but that's kind of what it is. Kind of like a rescue mission. They get to stay there, and with that money they get to buy Breakfast, lunch, and supper, and other necessities. I don't know if you know that or not, but the money they make, they actually buy stuff, and the, the ministry makes them buy it to help them build ownership. And the goal of that ministry is to help them finally get a job to work back into a, a regular workforce. So when you help someone, when you buy that paper for a dollar, and I, I generally give them a lot more than a dollar, but when you do that, you're helping to subdue some of the chaos in their life, which frees up their mind to think, okay, now I need to get back in the workforce. I need to get a full-time job. And it allows their brain to rest a minute because they've got breakfast, lunch, and supper and a roof over their head. It allows them to process a little more to think, what else could I do? How can I go back and do what I used to do? Or how can I learn a new skill to go do something better than what I used to do? Does that make sense? You're helping them free their mind up just a little bit, to process on a whole other level. That's a good thing, right? Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the same measuring cup you use to pour into other people's lives that same measuring cup will be used to pour into your life. Let me say that again in French. Okay. The same measuring cup you use, if you use a tiny one, right, to pour into people's lives, a tiny one will be poured back into your life. But if you use a ginormous one, right, and pour into people's lives, the same will be poured back into your life. That's true of money. It's, it's true of your time. It's true of your energy. It's true of your prayers, Right? Prayer is a way to give back to people, praying for people. When, when they're not even around, you're, you're pouring into them. So the same measure you use with others will be used back to you. So greed creates chaos, but generosity subdues chaos. So let's, let's be generous. The second thing is apathy. Apathy. Now, apathy means basically I just don't care anymore. And there are a lot of people in the world right now that just don't care anymore. They don't care in their marriage. 
Uh, they, they don't care about parenting. They don't care about working, although they go there every day. Uh, if you're a supervisor or a manager of people, you've seen this. People show up at work and they sit there and they're just kind of numbed out. They're just wasting hours in front of a computer. Uh, and they need to be working and they're not. Apathy. That's apathy. There's apathy in the church. There's apathy in the business world. There's apathy everywhere. And apathy creates chaos. And here's why. It's because in our society, the, the way we're structured, this needs to happen so that this can happen. For instance, some guy on an oil rig out in the Gulf needs to push a lever or pull a knob so that oil comes up out of the ground, right? Somebody needs to, to back a boat up over there and load that oil on that boat. And somebody needs to take it across the bay to the refinery. And somebody there needs to push a button and pull a knob and turn a, a dial so that that oil can be turned into gasoline and, and other, other things. And somebody needs to take that oil and put it in a pipe and send it to Tennessee, right? And then somebody needs to take it out of that pipe and put it in another truck and take it to the gas station. And somebody needs to take that, put a pipe in the ground and put it in a tank in the ground so that you can drive up and put gas in your car, Right? But it all starts because some guy's on an oil rig out in the middle of the Gulf risking life and limb so that you can have the convenience of driving a car wherever you want to go. Right? What if the guy on the oil rig says, I just don't want to work today? What, what if all 200 people on that rig just say, let's just take the day off. Let's take the week off. Let's go fishing. A <laughs> lot of water, right? And they're fishing over the oil rig, right? 300 feet down, it's what would happen to you? Well, it would create chaos, wouldn't it? Somewhere, the chaos would start to happen. And, and by the time we get to the thing and all the bags are over the, the fuel pumps, and no gas, no gas, no gas everywhere, what would we do as Americans? Oh, my gosh. We can't walk. <laughs> That'd be too much work, right? And we don't have bicycles, so we can't ride bikes anymore. So it'd be chaos. So you see how apathy... Over here can create chaos over here. Right? Your apathy over here will create chaos over here. Husbands, husbands, your apathy in loving your wife, like Christ loved the church over here, will create chaos over here in your marriage. Do you hear me, guys? Apathy in marriage creates chaos in marriage. Not being fully invested in your marriage will create chaos. Not being fully invested in parenting will create chaos. Well, I just let the kids run around for the next two weeks. We don't care what they do. You know what that's going to look like, right? They're going to be paint all over the walls. Markers going to be everywhere. They're going to be playing tic-tac-toe on the wall. I mean, it ain't going to be pretty. You can't, be, you can't have apathy in parenting. Right? You can't have apathy in school, Dwayne. If you're in school and you're studying, you can't have apathy. You've got to stay with the books. Stay with the books. Stay with the books. You slack off here, it's going to create chaos here in your life. So the Bible speaks to apathy. It says, uh, Proverbs 18, it says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. One who is slack in his work is as if he were a brother to one who destroys. Ecclesiastes 10.18 If a man is lazy, 
If a man is lazy, the rafters sag. The rafters on the roof sag, right? If his hands are idle, the roof leaks. If a man is idle, his roof will leak. You know, that was back in the day when they had thatch roofs, you know, and you had to keep patching them on a regular basis so the water wouldn't come through. But you get the analogy, right? Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. Diligence. He prospers. If he's diligent, he prospers. So what's the solution to apathy? If there's chaos in our life because of apathy on our part or someone else's part, what's the solution? Uh, the solution is excellence. Excellence. Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put into forced labor. Hmm? Proverbs 28, 19 says, He who tills his land will have plenty of food. But he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.10.2, and so whatever you do, uh, do your work with all of your heart as if it were for the Lord and not for man. So the key to apathy is just excellence. Excellent. I'm going to be the best student I can be. If being a C student is the best you can be, then be a C student. If being an A student is the best you can be, be an A student. Right? If, if, if being the best driver you can be means, uh, means you get there a little later, but you drive safer, then be a little later, but drive safer. You do it with excellence. Whatever we do, do it with excellence. Husbands, husbands, kiss your wife with excellence. Kiss your wife with excellence. Go ahead. Nobody's taking me up on that. <laughs> Wives, kiss your husband with excellence, right? That's what I'm talking about right there. You go, girl. That's what I'm talking about. She loves her man. Do things with excellence. I know you get tired. I know life is hard. I know a 60-hour work week is a killer. I, I get that. Will. I get that. But in the little things, do it with excellence. If you're going to read your Bible, do it with excellence. Say, God, I, I ain't got an hour. I've got, I've got five minutes. But I'm going to read with excellence for five minutes. I'm going to underline in my Bible. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to, I'm going to rejoice in this scripture. And I'm just going to read this scripture for five minutes. Do it with excellence. Right? Kids, if you're putting the dishes in the dishwasher, do it with excellence. Wash them off real good first, right, till they're, till they're perfectly clean, and then put them in the dishwasher. I don't understand that. You put a dirty dish in a dishwasher, it ain't going to come out clean. You've got to clean it first, and then put it in the dishwasher. That's why you don't need a dishwasher hand wash. <laughs> My mama used to say, we don't need a dishwasher. I got three of them, Jamie, Jim, and Fern. Get in there. So we did. You know, my job is the my sisters are I'm, I'm in the middle of my sisters. And so when we would clean up the kitchen, my job was to wipe the table down. Now, you're going to appreciate this. Wipe the table down. I had other jobs, take out the trash, fill things. But 
My job was to wipe the kitchen table off. I thought the best way to wipe the kitchen table off was to take my younger sister, Fern, two and a half years younger than me, lay her on top of the table <laughs> and get my older sister and we'd get on either end of Fern and spin her around and around and around <laughs> the table. Man, we could shine that table with her. And she just laughed. She just thought that was the best thing in the world. Mom didn't laugh, but we laughed. It was great. We did it when she wasn't looking. But we did it with excellence. Excellence. That's a good idea, yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, give me some knuckle on that one, right. <laughs> All of you are going to hear this. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. What is that? Oh, that's Sean spinning around and around. That's right. The third thing was uh, that causes chaos is gossip. Proverbs 21 and 23 says, He who guards his mouth uh, keeps himself from calamity, from chaos. When we, when we guard our words, hey, let's be honest. You know how to trigger somebody, right? At this age, you know what to say to somebody to trigger, right? 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 Teenagers especially know how to do it. Really adept at it. Know what to say. But it just brings chaos. When you let your mouth run wild open and you know better, it's going to create chaos. You know, I can't remember the number of times that my parents would look at me after I said something and they go, really? <laughs> really? Are you sure you want to follow down that path? And I usually... I usually came to point, no, I really don't want, want to follow down that path because it's only create calamity in my life. James 1.26, if anyone considers himself religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his words, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Ouch. Ouch. Our religion is worthless when we let our mouth run ahead of us. When our mouth writes a check that uh, it's going to bounce, right? Right? Proverbs 10, 18 says, He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, but whoever spreads slander is a fool. In other words, we need to look into our lives and see where these words are coming from and, and find out what the truth is. So the solution to to gossip in our life, in our own head, in other words, the lies we tell ourselves or the lies that other people sing around us or the gossip other people are spreading is to tell the truth. Have you noticed on Facebook how much untruth there is? And your friends will post and repost stuff that they've not even checked on yet. Have you noticed that? Right? And, and, and then somebody will come back and say, this is all fake news. And it'll give you a little thing to click on, and you look on it, sure enough, it's fake, you know. Well, that's simply gossip. So the solution to gossip is truth, is finding the truth. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how to answer every person. Now, I promise you that the more this you have in you, the, the more you can discern truth from a lie. The more this you have in you, the more the word of God you have in you, the more you can discern what is true from what is a lie. That's just God's plan. It's his word. He wants to give us truth. And 
so the more we know the scripture, the more we understand the scripture, the more we apply the scripture, the more truth we can speak into our own life and the lives of other people. Ecclesiastes 1.12 says, Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is known by his unwise words. Proverbs 16.24, Pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Y'all like honey? I like honey, especially peanut butter and honey sandwich. I mean, that's... Oh, don't talk to her about that. She don't. She doesn't. She doesn't do honey. Okay. Oh, she doesn't do peanut butter. Okay. God bless her. American staple for five thousand years now. Pleasant words are a honeycomb. All right. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So speaking truth brings healing. It brings healing to the chaos in your life. The Bible tells us in, in Ephesians uh, 4.15 that we're to speak the truth in love. So you've got to know the truth, and you've got to know love before you can speak the truth in love. Right? And so the love comes from the Father. The Bible says that the Father pours the love into our heart through the Holy Spirit. So walking in the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit, staying in step with the Holy Spirit, it's how we bring love into the conversation of truth. Now, there's a difference in saying what is true and what truth is. It, it's true that I'm, I'm six foot four and that I can dunk a basketball. Wait a minute. One of those is true. <laughs> it's easy to point out what is true about somebody in, in their life, but what is truth is totally different. Truth is what God sees in someone's life. And that's what we're supposed to speak into someone's life. So when chaos is happening with your children, parenting, when chaos is happening in your marriage, okay, or in workplace, find what the truth is. What is God saying about this situation? What does God think about your husband or your wife or your children or your parents? God, what do you think about this person? That's truth. And that's what we speak into a situation to subdue the chaos in our life. Speaking the truth in love. So let the love of the Father come in. Father, I need some love right now. I need to know what the truth is right now. Would you reveal that to me about what's going on in this child's life or my husband's life or my wife's life or this coworker? Ask him and then speak that. Don't just come out and say you're, you're lazy, you show up work for late all the time. That's what's true about somebody. What's, what's the root of it? Where is it coming from? What did they go through the night before to make them 20 minutes late for work or 30 minutes late for work? Ask that and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a word about that for them, speaking truth in love. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you have given us uh, control over some of the chaos that's uh, in this world, particularly some of the chaos that's in our lives. And Father, I help, pray that you'd help us to be generous in subduing chaos and to do what we do with excellence to subdue our chaos. And Father, that you would speak to us what is true and truth about people and about ourselves. Father, I pray right now that you would send the Holy Spirit to speak what is true in our minds about those things that are bothering us right now, our own personal struggles in, our, in the inner man, Come, Holy Spirit, and speak what is true in this situation. Help us to see the truth of it. 
Now, Jesus, as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we come to share this meal together with you, uh, Father, I just pray you would open our eyes to see you as you did those two guys on the road to Emmaus. Open our eyes to see you and to experience you this morning in a fresh, new way. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.